In Hebrews chapter 12 and verse number 15, we find our text verse. He says, Looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness spring up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. This, the last Thursday night of 2023, we're going to look at this idea of how to beat bitterness. This is something that is, uh, springs up in every Christian's life. It is something that is at one point going to be dealt with by every born-again Bible-believing Christian who loves Christ and loves his neighbor, uh, there's going to come a time when you have to beat bitterness, when you have to be able to overcome it. Uh, this is the last one we're going to deal with this year. We're going to begin in January on Thursday nights looking at the book of Galatians, the Magna Carta of Christian Liberty. We're going to take a study of that book verse by verse and walk through it. But uh, tonight, how to beat bitterness. We're going to, first of all, look at the development of bitterness, the development of bitterness, uh, the explanation of it, that uh, we have a, an understanding of it. I think it's something that everybody has dealt with or seen or maybe have experienced uh, bitterness from somebody else or you have been through life situations that were caused by bitterness and you've seen the hurt that springs up from it. I want you to know that bitterness poisons silently. Bitterness poisons silently. In Acts chapter 8, verse number 23, he says, For I perceive that thou art in the gall of bitterness and in the bond of iniquity. Two things pertinent in that verse, the gall of bitterness. Gall literally is poison. The poison of bitterness. He's saying, I perceive that you're caught up in this poison. You've been poisoned by bitterness, that you're in the bond of iniquity. And we know iniquity is sin. Poison that takes you down a path of sin. That's what bitterness is. It poisons silently. Adrian Rogers said that bitterness is the blight, an emotional cancer which consumes many a person who once had the bloom of eternal spring upon them. You see, bitterness. It comes from a root word meaning to bite. And I'll tell you that nothing bites quite as hard as bitterness. It bites and it grabs a hold of the heart. It, it, it consumes an individual that doesn't want to, like, doesn't want to let go. T.S. Randall said, It is the radioactive fallout that contaminates everything in your life after there has been a failure at the core of your being to come to grips with life's disappointments. Once life disappointments, whatever that disappointment is, has befallen you, your inability to deal with that biblically or correctly brings you to a point of bitterness, and it's like a radioactive fallout. It contaminates everything. Not only does bitterness poison silently, but bitterness progresses steadily. Bitterness that is not dealt with biblically, not handled as soon as it crops up, I want you to know that it progresses steadily through your life. Uh, in Hebrews 12, 15, we, B, we read it, lest any root of bitterness spring up. It, it springs up. It, it comes quickly. It comes surprisingly. Sometimes out of nowhere in your heart, you might not even realize it, but all of a sudden, there it is. It's unexpe unexpected. It can be very deceptive. You know, often we can see bitterness in others, but we have a hard time seeing it in ourselves. I was trying to illustrate that last week when I was talking about loneliness. And after the service, you know, my, my spirit and thought, I think, through how the service went. And I think, I, I, I hope nobody uh, took my crying on the stage and my 
uh, saying, oh, you're sitting there feeling sorry for yourself and, and you're, you're having a pity party. And what I was illustrating is that often we can see that when somebody else does it. And it's almost comical. It's almost funny. We want to look at them and say, grow up. We want to say, why are you feeling sorry for yourself? But we don't see it in ourselves at all. It's not present. And the reason that we don't see bitterness in our own heart is because we're justified for our anger. We look at somebody else and say, oh, come on, you need to get past it. You need to forgive. You need to let go. Oh, but I have a reason for why I'm so upset. Oh, no, no, I'm not bitter. I'm, I'm dealing with this because this is what was done to me. You see, so we don't recognize it is, it's deceptive. It springs up unexpectedly. It's often missed in our lives. But I want you to understand, beloved, it starts in the mind from a real or perceived slight. As we read T.S. Randall talking about the failure at your core of your being to come to grips with life disappointments. Whether it's a real or perceived slight, when somebody did you wrong, when somebody sinned against you, and so therefore you are bitter. It starts in your mind, you begin to think about and dwell upon that slight or that offense. I want you to know that bitterness is caused by someone else's sin, but it becomes your sin when you allow bitterness to get a root in your life. Bitterness starts in our mind when we begin to think about somebody else's failure, somebody else's sin against us, somebody else's shortcoming, somebody that did not perform up to our expectations. We were let down. It was their sin that caused that, but it becomes our sin when we allow bitterness to settle in our heart. It starts in our mind, but I want you to know it settles in the heart. There's a progression. If you allow it to to start in your mind and you begin to think upon it and you begin to dwell upon it, that it will settle down in your heart. It'll become a root of bitterness. It'll settle down into your heart. It'll grab a hold of you. It's a root that is unseen, but it has been planted and it will one day bring forth fruit. We have seen it. Many of you have seen it in your life, whether that's in family situations or in church situations or in situations at work or job. Somebody that has become bitter and and it, it was there and it was stewing for a while, but that root began to grow and ultimately it brought forth fruit and it caused so much problems. Beloved, it's like an invasive plant that begins to take over the kudzu is a vine native to Japan, which was introduced into this country in 1876. It was such a beautiful plant. It grew quickly, and they planted it in the south and used it for shade in that hot climate. They loved it because it would grow in the shade and it would grow in the sun. I mean, you almost couldn't kill it. It would just grow right up. Kudzu can grow at a rate of a foot a day and exceeds 100 foot in one growing season. It has the ability to completely overtake every other living, uh, growing plant. It'll, it'll choke it out. Well, that's what bitterness does. It's a root that if not dealt with and let go, it will consume you. It'll take over your heart. It'll take every part of your life. And as we'll see here in a little bit, it becomes evident in your mouth. It's a progression 
was just a root, but it comes evident in your mouth and it becomes evident in your actions. I want to talk to you here, not just the explanation of bitterness, but let's look here at the experience of bitterness. As we're just talking about developing it here, what is this? How does it develop in our life? What leads to bitterness? I want you to know that bitterness is always found or is brought on by those that are closest to us. The closer the relationship, the greater the chance for bitterness. In Colossians chapter 3, verses 18 and 19, he says, Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as is fit to the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and be not bitter against them. You look at that and you think a husband and wife relationship. Why would God be talking about bitterness between a husband and wife? Because the closer the relationship, the greater the chance for bitterness. Because the greater the chance for hurt. If somebody that I see on the street uh, yells at me or curses me or does something that I don't appreciate, I mean, I'm never going to see that guy again. <laughs> you know, I may not like it, but I'm going to get over it pretty quick. There's not a relationship there. And so bitterness is probably not really going to creep in and settle down in my heart. I, I pretty much forget that pretty quickly and go on with life. But when it's a close friend, when it's a family member, this, beloved, is why it's so destructive. Because we're talking about the relationships between husbands and wives, between children and parents, between the closest of friends, between the family of God, our brothers and sisters in the church, between the pastor and God's people. You see, people let you down. What leads to bitterness? It's when people don't perform up to your expectation. People that don't meet what you expected or thought or people that let you down, somebody that you thought would never do you that way, and then they did. And so bitterness sets in. Or circumstances. When circumstances in life are not what you expected. When life deals you a hand that you feel is unfair. In Acts 8.23, we read that verse, For I perceive that thou art in the gall of bitterness and in the bond of iniquity. You see, what happened there is Simon was a leader among men. Simon, you know, he had a place of authority. He had a, he had a position. But now, all of a sudden, he was expected to follow Peter and John. And he didn't like that. Those circumstances were not amenable to him. He thought, why should I have to do this? I've already earned my stripes. I shouldn't have to sit under these guys. I shouldn't have to follow behind these guys. I've already earned the, the right to be able to do this or do that. And, and he was in the gall of bitterness because life had dealt him an unfair hand. Christian, you're going to get bitter. You're going to get angry or upset when you feel that God has allowed something into your life that's unfair. 
whether that's a health situation or a financial situation or a, a, a challenge at work and you think, why is this so hard or why is so life so unfair? And I look over here at Frank and everything's fine for Frank. He doesn't have any problems. And I watch Bo and he's happy all the time. I don't know why he has everything going so good and life is so hard for me. And you're getting more and more bitter and more and more angry at God because life isn't fair for you, but you don't know what these other men are dealing with. You don't know what they're going through. They might be going through the storm of their life, but they still put a smile on their face. But you've allowed bitterness to come into your heart and rob you of yours. Whether it's people or circumstances that are the cause of the bitterness that you feel, it, what it boils down to is there's a misunderstanding or a mistrust of what God is doing in your life. Because the fact of the matter is, Ultimately, we know that God is in control. That God directs the steps. That God allows into our life those things that He feels are necessary. And so we remove God out of the situation and say, boy, this isn't fair. And we don't want to say we're bitter at God, but what you understand, beloved, when it gets down to the bottom of it, is when we're, we're bitter about life situations or, or problems like this that come, ultimately, it's, we're bitter at God. You remember Naomi, whose name means pleasant? But her son, her sons and her husband had died. And she felt that God had been unfair to her. In Ruth chapter 1, verse number 13, she says, For it grieveth me much for your sakes that the hand of the Lord has gone out against me. You're not alone feeling that maybe God is against you. That maybe life hasn't been fair to you. The hand of God is against me. Well, just a few verses later in verse number 20, when they reached Bethlehem, her name, which means pleasant, she says, Call me no more Naomi, call me Mara, for the Almighty hath dealt bitterly with me. I went out full, and the Lord has brought me home empty. When they call ye me, why then call ye me Naomi, seeing the Lord hath testified against me, and the Almighty hath afflicted me? Four times in these verses, she said, God, the Almighty, the Almighty, these situations, God's been unfair with me. Don't call me Naomi anymore, no longer pleasant, I'm, I'm bitter now. God has dealt bitterly with me. You see, when you let those thoughts begin to enter your mind, they settle down in your heart and they become bitterness. Life had not been fair, and so she said God had not been fair. Beloved, ultimately, any bitterness is towards God. We see, what, are, what is the evidence of bitterness in our lives? What is the evidence of bitterness? I want you to know that bitterness is evident in one's commemoration. It's evident in one's commemoration. You see, you can't remember what you had for lunch yesterday. You can't remember what 
your wife or your husband said to you when you left the house an hour ago. But you can remember every single word of a conversation that you had with somebody 10 years ago. You're bitter. You're bitter. You've commemorated. You've continued to call that back up to remembrance. You know, repetition is the key to learning. You've repeated that situation over and over and over and over in your mind, whether it was real or perceived or, or not, doesn't matter, because you have established a course of events in your mind that are unchangeable, that nobody could ever alter, because you have it. It doesn't matter if it's been five years ago, ten years ago, or twenty years ago. You can call up every word that they said. You're bitter. You say, oh, no, I'm not bitter. I just got a good memory. Okay, well, then what was last Sunday's message? You've commemorated that thing over and over and over again. That's, it's evident when you continue to bring something up, when you continue to muse upon it, when you continue to think through it, it's evident that you're dealing with bitterness. Bitterness is evident in one's conversation. In Matthew chapter 12, verse number 34, he says, But out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaketh. Things that are present in their heart are what's going to come out of our mouths. If you find it difficult to be positive about a particular individual, you're bitter. If you can't help but be negative or hurtful, if you play out conversations in your mind where you are putting them in their place. Have you ever been in a situation, let's say at the store, the grocery store, somebody says something to you and you did not appreciate it. And then on the way out, in the, out to the car, you're like, man, I should have said this to them. That's what happens to me later. Like, I don't ever think of it when it's there. I, I lose the chance to, you know, say something good or smart or whatever because I'm not that smart. But I think of it later, and later I think, man, I should have said this to them. Well, that's a little simple illustration, but if you have continued to play over in your mind things, that situations, conversations, and you should have said this, or you should have put that in there, or this is how I should have done that, and this would have really fixed them, you're better. We're talking about the evidences of bitterness. Is it, is it evident in your life? Well, uh, are you commemorating something that's happened many years ago? Are you, is your conversation revealing the abundance of your heart, showing that you're bitter? Do you look for opportunities to share that person's shortcomings with somebody? Do you tend to be critical anytime that situation or that person or those people come up in, in conversation? Your conversation is revealing a bitterness that's rooted in your heart. Bitterness is evident in one's conduct. Are you slow to forgive? You remember Jonah? Jonah was bitter and angry at God. Oh, he, he directed his anger towards the gourd. But ultimately, you remember, he was angry because God forgave the wicked nation. Jonah didn't want them to be forgiven. 
Jonah chapter 4 and verse number 9, And God said unto Jonah, Dost thou well to be angry for the gourd? And he said, I do well to be angry. It sounds like a bitter man explain, you know, justifying his position. I do well. I have a right to be mad. I have a right to be frustrated or upset about this. Look what, look what they did to me. In your actions, do you avoid certain people? Do you resent their success? Do you desire their misfortune? Are you overly sensitive? Do you refuse to be kind, tender-hearted, and forgiving like God's word commands us to be? Now, I, I, we, we just covered point number one. You guys have been real quiet. The development of bitterness. We have two more points. That was the longest one. We do have a lot of ground to cover, but listen. This is something you say, well, Pastor, I'm not, I'm not bitter. Before God right now in my heart, I have nothing. That uh, We need to ask God, search me, O oh God, and see if there be any wicked way in me. God, is there anything there? I don't, I don't want to let that root of bitterness creep up. I don't want to let that root of bitterness get settled down in my heart. I don't want it to grab a hold of me. The longer it's there, the harder it is to get rid of. The harder it is to overcome. I want you to see the defilement of bitterness that is so clearly described for us in Hebrews chapter 12, verse number 15. Looking diligently, lest any man... Fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness spring up, trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. Bitterness defiles you, the believer. It defiles your own heart by, we know, participating in the act of bitterness. You're involved in sin, so there's immediately a defilement of sin that's present. It defiles your heart because it robs you of your joy and peace. He says there uh, that it spring up and Trouble you. Trouble you. That word trouble there is, means vex. It vexes you. It's, it springs up and it vexes you day by day. It'll take your joy and contentment. Just like Naomi, who wanted to be called Mara. She didn't, she didn't want to be known as somebody as pleasant anymore. It had taken all of her joy. And replaced it with hurt and hatred. Stanley Jones writes, A rattlesnake can become so angry, it'll bite itself. And this is exactly what the harboring of hatred and resentment against others is. It is like biting yourself. We think that we're harming them by holding on to this bitter hatred, when in reality we're harming ourselves. It defiles your own heart. It stunts you spiritually. Beloved, the, the bitter person, his spiritual growth is stalled. He's not going to continue to grow. He has stalled out. He's stuck. He can't get past that hurt. An evidence of this in 1 John chapter 4, verses 20 and 21, he says, If a man say, I love God, and hate his brother, he's a liar. For he that loveth not his brother whom he seeth, how can he love God whom he hath not seen? And this is a commandment we have from him, that he who loveth God loveth his brother also. 
You see, beloved, when we can't love a brother, a sister, somebody in the family of God or husband or wife or child or parent, when there's bitterness there that may have been held on to for years, it stunts our growth spiritually. We remain spiritually immature. Those spiritually immature Christians are described for us in 1 Corinthians as carnal Christians. Immature. Maybe saved for a long time, but their spiritual growth was stunted. Not only does it defile your own heart, but it defiles those people around you. Very clearly, he says, thereby many are defiled. And I hope that in your life you haven't had to go through a situation where you've experienced the bitterness of another individual that ended up hurting or defiling so many. Because that's what happens. In ancient Rome, there's a story about some soldiers of Caesar who were dissatisfied with their service. Ultimately, their meager rations were a point of contention and they became so bitter and angry about it. But they knew they could never complain to Caesar because he would kill them. There was no complaint department. Last week after church, Joe Roberts asked me, where's the complaint department? I said, right out that door. (laughs) He said, we we only had three complaints. He said, and they were all my family, so I don't know what that says. (laughs) He was just joking, but they were looking for the coffee. They said, where's the coffee? I said, I know, that was an oversight. We we definitely need the coffee, amen. We'll try and do that in the future. But he wasn't wasn't really complaining, but... uh, you know, these soldiers, they knew that they couldn't complain to Caesar. And so, in frustration, in anger, they defied the gods. And they took their bow and arrows and they shot arrows up into the sky at, against God. And these soldiers that in this group stood there and shot their arrows up into the sky like they are going to shoot their gods so angry about their situation, went back to their musing and talking and all that, but they didn't know that arrow, of course, went up. It reached its pinnacle of height, it turned and drifted as it came down. And numerous of their very good fellow soldiers were injured or killed. And that's what bitterness does. When a, when a bitter and angry person just starts shooting off, starts shooting off and letting go of all that he's been holding down inside and I'm fed up and I've done it and I'm going to get mine and everybody around them gets hurt. A bitter father destroys his own kids. A bitter boss destroys his own company. Bitter friends destroy their own relationships. Bitter Christians destroy their own church. Christian, let me tell you, don't don't think that Hunt Valley Baptist Church is immune to this. I praise God for the spirit that we have in our church. I praise God for the, for the joyous fellowship and the, the camaraderie and the family atmosphere that we have here. 
I love it that there's not a, a, a bunch of cliques in the church and these people just talk to these people and these people talk to these people, that there's truly just kind of a family atmosphere. We get together and everybody's serving and doing what they can. But I want you to know that uh, that can change in a heartbeat. If any one of us allow bitterness to settle down in our heart, For, for something real or, or perceived, it could be a slight that, that, that didn't even happen. The individual doesn't even know they did it, and you're, you're sitting there stewing about it, getting madder and madder. Listen, we need to take this very seriously, because I, I, I don't want Satan to get in and destroy what we've got. It can happen so quick if we let that go and don't deal with it. So how are we delivered from bitterness? I want you to understand it takes consistent effort. He says here in Hebrews 12 verse 15, he says, looking diligently. Looking diligently. It takes some diligent effort. It takes some, some on-purpose thinking. It takes some on-purpose actions. We need to decide that we're done feeding the plant. Maybe that root of bitterness got seeded uh, into your brain and hasn't settled in your heart yet. But you know, if you stop watering it, if you stop feeding it, it can be, it can be overcome. If you stop commemorating on that situation, stop thinking about it, stop bringing it to mind, you can begin to let it go. I heard a story or read a story today about a lady that was so bitter at her own husband that she was ready to get a divorce. She was so bitter and angry that she, 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 she just couldn't take it anymore. And she, she sat in a service and heard a message about bitterness. And she came forward with a broken heart and she got right with God. And in her bitterness, she could recount every conversation her and her husband had. And every time her husband failed and every shortcoming he ever had. And she could list them off one after the other, boy, without hesitation. And she came up to the pastor and she told the pastor about how she was repenting of that bitterness and she was going to let that go. It was about three years later that somebody that was relatively new to the church came in and there was a lady there dealing with bitterness in her home in a much very similar way. And this lady thought, well, God could use me to be a help to her. And so... She went to her and she says, you know, I, I was just like you. I was so bitter. I could tell you every situation my husband would. And she said she just, at that moment, she realized she couldn't remember. Amen. She could know. It wasn't until that moment she realized, I have not thought about this in three years. I, I don't remember all of the offenses. I remember he was such a rotten guy. I remember he was such a poor husband, I, was, I, I couldn't put up with him anymore, but I don't remember all the things that he did. It, it just struck her because she was trying to help somebody else, and she came and told the pastor, which is how the story got recorded. <laughs> Miss Nelma gave me a hat <laughs> last week, or for Christmas, and uh, it says, fair warning, anything you say, and, say or do may be used in a message. <laughs> 
<laughs> I said, Ms. Noma. <laughs> but she came and she told the pastor, she says, I, it just struck me how after I let that go, I can't even remember all those things I was mad about. If you stop feeding the beast, it'll stop living. It takes some diligent, consistent effort. You need to let it go. I want you to understand, beloved, that your bitterness is your own choice. Many people think that their bitterness is caused by somebody else. And they want to blame that individual. But here's the thing. Many people have been bitter long after the individual apologized. You see, that bitterness is independent of what that other person does. I've talked to people that are bitter at somebody who's been dead for years. The individual they're bitter at is dead, hasn't even been alive for years, and they're still bitter. What I'm saying is that your bitterness is independent of what somebody else does. It is your own choice. You choose to do it. That sin is something that you take on yourself. You let the hurt turn into the sin of bitterness. You need to start digging it out. Go after it like the sin it is. There are some communities when they have an invasive plant that has taken over, they have to go through and burn everything to get that plant to die. They got to burn it all. It's the only way. You might have to do some real strong cleaning house to get rid of the bitterness. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 29 and 32 says, Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. Beloved, we're not to grieve the Holy Spirit of God. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. In verse number 31, the very first thing, he says, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away. Be put away. We have got to start digging out of our lives. It's something that must be put away. God wants it out of your life. The world likes to talk about it. I did a bunch of reading on the philosophical Uh, psychological way of handling and dealing with this type of stuff. The world wants to talk about it. Psychologically, they want to sit down and, and dig to the very bottom of every situation. And then they want you to go and tell the other individual and dig it all up with them and hash it all over again. And this is the only way you're going to experience healing. But that's not God's way. In James chapter 3, verses 14 and 15, he says, But if ye have bitter envies and strife in your hearts, glory not and lie not against the truth. This wisdom descendeth not from above, but is earthly, sensual, and devilish. 
For envying and strife is, there is confusion and every evil work. The world's mentality of dealing with it is not fixing it. We need to deal with it the way God said to deal with it. To root it out. To let go. Bitterness that's not dealt with biblically just continues to grow. Not only does it take some consistent effort, but it takes some confession of sin. Confession of sin. We've already looked at many, many scriptures. I don't think I have to reestablish the fact that this is sin. Bitterness is sin. It's a sin that we are committing. Regardless of what happened to us, now it's our problem. Because it's sin we've allowed to sit in our heart. Ephesians 4, 30 and 31, we already read it, but put it away. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking, put it away from you. Stop commemorating. Stop reviewing. Stop going over that thing. It's sin. It may have been caused by sin from somebody else. But now it's sin that lieth at your door. Because you're hanging on to it. James chapter 4 verses 6 through 12. He says, but he giveth more grace. Wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace to the humble. Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he'll flee from you. Draw nigh unto God and he'll draw nigh unto you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. That whole passage of scripture in James there, you could read that and ponder and think about it. If you're dealing with this bitterness, think about what he tells you to do there. Just submit yourself to God. Submit to the Holy Spirit and cleanse your hands of this sin. It might take some confronting others. Matthew 18 tells us how to deal with situations where we've been offended. If thy brother offend thee, go to him. Talk to him. You might have to do that. Go humbly, go with the right spirit, but go talk to him. If you're going to confront them, you need to be ready and willing to forgive them. Regardless of what they do, remember your bitterness is your sin. Your forgiveness should be offered regardless of what they do. And many people want to justify their anger and bitterness and say, well, I'll, I'll get over it when they ask for forgiveness. No, you won't. Because not, that's not the, the critical thing. It's your own heart and your own spirit that needs to be dealt with. A true Christian, a true Christ-honoring Christian is going to be like Christ. Ephesians 4.32 says, And be kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another. What's the last part of that verse? Even as Christ has forgiven you. Christ set the example. Even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. You see, beloved, the motivation for our action is the example that Christ set. It is to be Christ-like, to be Christ-honoring. If we forgive like Christ, then we're not holding on to that hurt anymore. Forgiveness is necessary and forgetfulness helps. In his book, 
the title of the book, Lee, The Last Years, Charles Flood tells of uh, a story that took place after the war. General Robert E. Lee had visited a lady that took him to the remains of their property and they stood out in the front yard and there was a grand old tree in front of the house. The tree had been part of their family for as long as anybody could remember. It was almost like a family heirloom. She cried and she pointed to the limbs that had been destroyed by the artillery of the federal soldiers. The trunk had been damaged and defaced by the Union armies. She looked at it and she said, Lee, with tears in her eyes, what should I do about it? After a moment of silence, Lee said, cut it down, ma'am, and forget about it. Cut it down and forget about it. You see, the problem is, is we like nurturing it too much. We like commemorating it. We like stewing on it. What we need to do is cut it down and forget about it. And just let go and let God. God's going to deal with it. Whatever the situation is. As God's people, as a mature believer, we've got to learn to let it go with all peace in your heart, not holding on to anything. Learn how to do that. May the Lord help each of us to identify and remove the root of bitterness from our hearts. How to beat bitterness. And I hope there's nobody here dealing with it, but I don't know.